you will please open your Bibles to John chapter 6. And while you're turning there, I want to ask you, do you want to know Jesus? And I hope for the vast majority of you, the answer, of course, is yes. If you're already a follower of Jesus, is it your desire, is it your heart's desire to know him better, to know him more and more? And in the process of knowing him more and more, to be made more like him. Or perhaps you're here this morning and you're still exploring, you're seeking more information about Jesus before you would make such a big decision of following him. Either way, I have good news for you this morning and I have bad news. The good news is that Jesus is more than willing to make himself known to you, to reveal himself. If you have in your heart this morning a desire to know him, he is happy to oblige. That's the good news. The bad news, which technically isn't bad, but at the time it can certainly seem bad, is that he is happy to reveal himself to you, but one way that he frequently reveals himself, one of the ways that we often come to know more of him is in times of darkness in times of fear. Now, he's certainly got other tools at his disposal. That's not the only way of revealing himself, but I've not met too many people, any, who know Jesus well that haven't acquired at least some of that knowledge through times of darkness and fear. And at the time, that does not feel like good news when that is happening. But when the morning dawns and the fear, by God's grace, gets replaced with faith and the comfort and the peace that comes from knowing Jesus, what we thought at the time was bad news, well, that too is good news. So I want to explore this idea this morning of knowing Jesus in the midst of darkness and fear. Stand, if you're able, for the reading of God's Word. John chapter 6, verses 16 through 21. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. May God bless the reading of his inspired inerrant, infallible, and authoritative word. Let's pray together. Father, by your grace, may our hearts reflect the reverence towards your word that our 
physical postures now portray. Holy Spirit, You inspired these very words. They they were breathed out. You carried along the human authors, Peter says, as they wrote down these words. God, through Your providence, You have preserved them with, with great accuracy and clarity and and reliability down through the ages. They're here in front of us now in paper form, in digital form, projected on the screen. Would you come, Holy Spirit, in these moments and do something holy and supernatural? Would you, in fact, in these moments, help us to know Jesus more? Help us to know Him better. Help us to see Him with greater clarity and give to our hearts and to our wills and to our emotions the proper response we should have for Him and toward Him. We ask in His name and for His sake. Amen. Please be seated. There are three things I want us to look at this morning when it comes to knowing Jesus. First off, that we know Him on His terms. And then I want us to explore both knowing Him in the darkness and knowing Him in the midst of our fear. All during Jesus' earthly ministry, He is revealing who He is. He's helping people to know who He is. And part of that helping, part of that revealing is performing miraculous signs. It's demonstrating His divine Power. Just last week, perhaps the biggest sign yet that we've seen, his feeding of the 5,000, this tremendous crowd that witnessed it, because it was, in fact, much more than 5,000. That's just the number of men that were there. There were also women and children. So perhaps as many as 20,000 people witnessed this amazing demonstration of divine power. And we've got these demonstrations throughout his earthly ministry. But something else that we've got. A sub-theme that you will that is up and running throughout the whole thing is that Jesus calls the shots. He's in control of all things, including He's in control of the outcome of those demonstrations of power. He's in control of how the people respond. He's in control of how the religious leaders respond and of how the crowds respond. Nothing happens to Him or with Him until it's precisely the right time. The religious leaders want to seize him and kill him. The crowd, we saw last week, want to seize him and force him to be king. Jesus says no. More accurately, he says not yet. He will eventually allow both of those things to happen at the right moment. But that's not it yet. Last week, the feeding of the 5,000, the crowd went wild. But Jesus knew it wasn't time to be made king yet, and certainly not the kind of king that they wanted to make of him that day. Jesus is in control of how he reveals himself. Part of his control is in navigating calling the shots, juggling how he meets physical needs 
with how he meets spiritual needs. Put another way, it's meeting of of temporal, uh, temporary, earthly needs on the one hand, which he's, he's not unconcerned with, but he is juggling that with meeting eternal needs. The physical, the temporal, the temporary, the earthly. He very often addresses those, but they are never, never the ultimate point. Last week, he met a big physical need for that huge crowd of hunger, which led the crowd to demand that another physical need be met in that moment, namely the ouster of their Roman occupiers. The crowd was missing the point. Giving those 20,000 people a meal was so not the point. The point was to get them to the place where Jesus can tell them, you know what, guys, I'm bread. I'm the one, the only one who can satisfy you, not for a few hours, as long as the bread is in your belly, but I can satisfy you forever. I can satisfy you regardless of whether you ever find freedom from these Roman oppressors. I can satisfy forever. This week he meets another physical need. The disciples find themselves in this raging storm in the dark. The wind is howling. The waves are about to sink their little boat. They're having a terrible time in this storm. And Jesus rescues them. But rescuing them from that storm is so not the point. The point is to get them to the place where they see his greatness and they see his ability. They see the magnitude of his power and are brought to the point where they realize that Jesus is the only one capable of calming the greatest storm that rages for each of us. The storm of our own sin and rebellion against our creator. The storm that is the eternal death and damnation that that sin and rebellion warrant. See, sometimes Jesus reveals himself in physical solutions so that our eyes might be fixed on him for eternal solutions. And importantly, if our eyes are fixed on him, confident that we are secure in him forever, then even if he doesn't solve our earthly problems the way we think they need solving, even if he doesn't do that, we can still rest. We can still know like the Apostle Paul knew that ultimately these things are momentary. They don't hold a a candle. They're not worth comparing with the eternal solution Jesus has waiting for us. So, we need to come to grips first with the fact that Jesus calls the shots. Jesus reveals himself on his own terms. Now, that is admittedly an easier perspective to have when we're not in the middle of darkness. 
when we are not currently afraid. Because when that is the case, when when the darkness is present, when the fear is real, it's palpable, the great temptation is that we want to start calling the shots. We want to start demanding that things happen on our terms. We say, oh no, Jesus. Oh, don't let this darkness come. Don't allow this to happen. Certainly don't let this problem linger for long. And definitely do not let this problem go unsolved. Fix it now, Jesus. We all of a sudden, in the darkness and the fear, think that we know best. Our plan, our desires, well, those are the things that need to happen. In fact, that's the only thing that can happen, and this actually be good for us. Cure the cancer. Save the marriage. Bring back the wayward child. Make sure I get this job offer. Make sure I don't lose the house. But friend, let me encourage you this morning. Let me plead with you to stop and consider in those moments what you might be forfeiting. In desiring to call the shots, wanting to have everything on your terms and your timetable, remember the premise that I started this with. Darkness and fear. That's the common setting for Jesus to reveal Himself to you. If you were to to forfeit, if you were to give up all the knowledge of Jesus that you have that was gained in the darkness, how tragic would that loss be? Second point, verse 17, says it was now dark. There is something about darkness that intensifies the severity of any situation, right? You don't have to teach children to be afraid of the dark. It's one of these base instincts. When it is dark, the the pulse quickens The hairs on your arm or the back of your neck stand up. See, it would have been one thing to be out in this little boat with raging winds and tumultuous waves if it were daylight. You could see what was going on. But to have all of that happening and not see, to have all of that cloaked in darkness, that's a terrible situation. Now, to cap it all off... This raging storm, this darkness, well, it was all Jesus' idea. (laughs) This didn't just happen. It was orchestrated by the one calling the shots, by the one revealing himself on his own terms. This event's also recorded in Matthew and in Mark. And they both tell us that Jesus made them, compelled them, told them, get in the boat, head across the sea. 
Jesus still in seclusion on the mountainside waiting for that zealous crowd to disperse. He says, y'all go on ahead. Jesus longs to reveal himself. He wants to make himself known. He put them in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the night as part of his terms of revealing himself. That makes some of you uncomfortable, I know. Let me just go ahead and make it worse. He let them linger in that storm. Verse 16 said that it was evening. Now presumably... That was with enough time and light remaining for them to reasonably get across to Capernaum. But the storm. They rode and they rode and they rode and they struggled. Matthew and Mark both also provide us with the detail that it was in the fourth watch of the night when Jesus came to them. So the, four, the fourth watch of the night is after the first watch and the second watch. It is right before daylight. They set out at evening for what should have been a quick little row across six or seven miles, I think. They rode all night long. They were so tired. They were so scared. Where are we? Is this boat about to break up? Will we make it? Take just a moment and think about some of your darkest hours. You, you know what they are. I thought about some of mine this week. Right? We don't soon forget them. Those times when, when we couldn't see anything, we, we couldn't see the path in front of us, no matter how hard we tried, we could not see a solution to this problem that we faced. There were so many questions and so few answers. But think, too, about how you now know Him in a way that you never would have known Him had it not been for the darkness. You know a side of him now. You know an aspect of his faithful, providing, rescuing character that you would not know were it not for the pain, were it not for those tears. Y'all, knowing Jesus like that is sweet. It is irreplaceable. There's a Spurgeon quote that I love and I come back to again and again where he says, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. It was hard at the time. It was dark. It was scary at the time. But on the other side, even that darkness and that fear now has a sweetness to it because it showed me Jesus in a way that I never knew him. There, there's another quote, and I searched and searched and searched and couldn't find it or who it's attributed to, but, it, but it's something along the lines of, of our tears 
serving as lenses that magnify our Savior. You've seen how a droplet of water can do that, how it, it serves as a mag. Our, our tears seen as lenses that magnify our Savior. See, we never wish for darkness, right? We don't desire storms. We don't wake up and say, oh, Lord Jesus, please put me through the ringer today that I can know you. We, we, don't, we don't ever do that. But such a sweet, sweet knowledge of our Savior very often awaits on the other side. It was His idea. He lingered before He came. But He did come to them. Let's look at this third point specifically of knowing Jesus in our fears. Verse 19, um, would you notice that even His coming to them produced fear? (laughs) Right? And this is just another aspect of, of him revealing himself on his own terms. They, they were afraid in his absence, and now they're going to be afraid in his presence. Now, now why were they afraid when he comes to them? Well, one possibility is that they're not really sure it's him. Right? It is very dark after all. One of, uh, Matthew Mark 1 says they thought it was a ghost. <laughs> John tells us they saw Jesus. Either way, uh, they were afraid. They were frightened. The the verb there is is phobeo, where we get phobia. (laughs) They're they're terrified. And, And sometimes that happens. Sometimes Jesus' rescue doesn't seem like a rescue at first. His ways are indeed often mysterious to us. I thought, about, I thought about Jonah, right, the prophet. How his rescue probably did not seem like a rescue to him at first. Right, He gets thrown into the sea, presumably to drown. And what happens? Well, he gets swallowed by a great fish. And I'm sure at first he's thinking, oh, great. Can I not just drown in peace? I have to be eaten by a fish as well. This has gone from bad to worse. But of course, by God's providence and design, that fish was part of the rescue. That fish was the the providential means to get him back to dry land. And many of us have similar stories. The thing that we thought was additional disaster, salt in the wound, just heaping it up on top of us was actually part of God's rescue. Right? You, you lose a long-time job that forces you to find another field of work which you then discover, oh, this was my calling all along. This is, this is wonderful. Countless examples. So perhaps they feared because they didn't know it was Jesus coming to rescue them at first. But, but John does say they saw Jesus, so there's this possibility that, that his identity was never in question. Maybe they saw him right away, and well, they knew it was Jesus, but they were terrified anyway because it was Jesus um, walking to them on top of the water. That's not supposed to happen. 
The, the, the rather weak surface tension of the water is supposed to give way to the weight of Jesus and he should sink. Not stroll out to them. Unaffected by the wind and the water. Right, they've been fighting and struggling and rowing. When Here Jesus comes. He's just walking. <laughs> no big deal. Y'all, that is divine. That is divine power. Uh, experiences of divine power. Uh, appearances of the divine. Very often and rightfully we see in Scripture produce great fear. Tremendous amounts of fear, huge fear in those that observe them. The disciples are freaked out by this raw display of power. And Jesus knows that. And so he speaks into their fear and he says, Hey guys, it's me, Jesus. No, actually what he says simply and literally, he says, I am He comes to them in the midst of the storm, in the dark, in their fear, to reveal himself. And he reveals himself in the same way that Yahweh revealed himself to Moses. Tell them, I am has sent me to you. He speaks to them. I am, meaning I am the sovereign and personal God, you need not be afraid. And at Jesus' word, their fear was exchanged for gladness. 2,000 years later, Jesus still comes to His followers and allays their fears through His word. Jesus continues to come into our storms, into our darkness, into our fears, and His Word remains the powerful force that it was when He first audibly spoke it. It continues to reveal His identity, that He is the personal and sovereign Lord, that He's Lord over the sea, He's Lord over the storm. And when He speaks, His Word causes our fears to diminish. Our fears are then replaced with the gladness of welcoming him into the boat. Is that where you turn when the darkness sets in? When your fears begin to threaten like waves lapping over the sides of your little boat, do you open his word to hear him speak again? That is how we bring light to our darkness. That is how we bring peace to our stormy fears. I know that it sounds simple, maybe too simple. Maybe it sounds too easy. Well, it is easy for us because it was incredibly and infinitely costly and difficult for him. That's the only reason it can come so easily to us for us to have the assurance that Jesus can calm our greatest storm, that he has defeated forever our enemies of sin and death that that sin deserves. In order for that to be such an easy and simple thing, for him to calm our storm, he had 
to endure the storm. The storm of all time without rescue. In fact, his cries for rescue went unheard as the father turned his back and a deaf ear on his own son's pleas for rescue. His cry went unheard so that we can be assured ours will always be heard. Friend, if you're here this morning and and you're exploring, you're you're wondering, you're, you're curious about this Jesus, right? Then that is the Jesus that you need to ponder. The Jesus who was not rescued so that you could be. The Jesus who allowed himself to go down in the storm so that you wouldn't have to. That's who Jesus is. Or if you're here this morning and you're already following Jesus like many of you are, but the storms continue to rage. The darkness is ever so dark at this moment. The fears, they have you wondering. Even though the storms are fierce, even though the darkness is frightening, Jesus is near. Don't be tempted to trade that darkness, those times of fear. Don't forfeit the knowledge of Him that you could gain from those times, the sweetness of knowing Him, of knowing Jesus who is able to rescue you now and most importantly will rescue you for all time. Let's pray. Oh Jesus, thank You that You delight to reveal Yourself. Thank You that You took on flesh to reveal Yourself. Thank You that You spoke and that You continue to speak through Your Word. It's, we read this morning, it's powerful, it's living, it's active, these words of Yours. And they come to our rescue again and again. Sometimes in the way that we want with our earthly and temporary problems. Always if we trust you, Jesus. You come and you solve forever our great storm of sin and death. You suffered through it. You endured it so that we wouldn't have to. Help us to trust you this morning. Help us to know you more and more. We ask in your name and for your sake. Amen. Let's stand and sing.